Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together business owners, leaders and experts to talk about their business journeys and provide them with invaluable insights and explore the link between personal and business success. I am your host, Warren Munson, founder of Evolve. I have previously founded, grown and successfully exited three businesses in the business services and technology sectors. I have a passion for helping and advising businesses and seeing them succeed. We all know that leading and running a business comes with its own unique joys and challenges and Evolve provides the advice, guidance and support to the business, you and your teams on that journey, be that if you're starting, growing or looking to exit or step away from your business. We do this through our Ignite, Thrive and Optimize programs and services, which includes strategic advice, coaching and mentoring, leadership training, funded business support and so much more. If you want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolveadvisory.co.uk or connect and message me on LinkedIn. For now though, let's just get on with the show. This week we hear from Stephen Steers, founder of the New York-based Steers Consulting Group, which helps businesses tell the stories that get their customers excited to buy. He's also the author of Superpower Storytelling. Stephen believes effective sales is about listening, learning, and connecting through stories. According to Stephen, it's stories that close the sale, never the conversation. He's consulted, advised, and led workshops for more than 750 companies from 30 countries around the world, including giants such as Nike, Google, and Microsoft. As I'm sure many of you know, sales is an extremely layered and complex thing, and often the reason why you landed or didn't land a sale can be intangible. I was therefore intrigued by Stephen's storytelling approach. Amongst a myriad of topics on storytelling and sales, we also touch on how to create emotional spaces for people to make decisions, and overcoming the challenges that AI and digitalization present in the context of building customer or client relationships. Stephen also reveals the three types of audiences and the four questions you should ask them in order to tell a compelling story that is unique to you as a founder and to your business. Please do enjoy the episode. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hey, Warren. Great to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. So as the author of Superpower Stories, telling and a sales consultant or runs a business that is all around sales I'm really intrigued to have that conversation about how storytelling and sales comes together but should really start for our listeners with a bit of your background so perhaps you could tell our listeners a bit about you and how you started your sales consulting business Ooh, comedy of errors, but uh, I'll, I'll give you the long, short version. <laughs> so I, I started my career in the construction business in New York City, and I was an infield project manager and partially in the office. So I would make reports about what was happening on site and make sure we would get paid. And one of the days I was there, the building was basically done. It's the Baccarat and Hotel on 53rd and 6th Avenue, for any listeners who know that place. And the building was done, so I showed up in jeans and a t-shirt and sneakers and did my inspection. You know, there's still some punchless stuff to do. Walked all the way down from the roof to the construction entrance, and I'm there with my foreman. We're having a laugh, and he taps me on my shoulders like, hey, let's go to lunch. And I take literally one step forward, and a cement block falls right where I was standing. Like, I literally missed it by that much. That's how quickly I could not be here on this podcast today. Like, literally, that's how much time I, I missed it by. And that set me on a, a loop of thinking about my life 
So I, okay. I my uh, my foreman's name is Kenny. He's like he's Panamanian. He's like Papa. Not everybody gets a chance like that. You're here for something. And I lost my appetite. I went on a long two-hour walk around New York City, and I just started thinking a lot. And I was like, well, you're going to die one day. You might as well die doing something that you want. So, you know, if there's something on the headstone, people can say, hey, he went for what he was going after. So just doing a lot of thinking, and I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. wanted to have my own company. And that's kind of what led me into saying sales, because I was like, I don't have an app I can build. I don't know what skills I have besides I'm pretty good with people. And if you can sell stuff, you'll always have a business and be in business. So that's kind of where that started. And yeah, it's been a massive comedy of errors. I got a job in a, a software startup, do like bottom of the barrel SDR, cold calling all the stuff that you don't love to do, but you have to learn how to do. Did that for a few years, got laid off from there, got another job in a remote company, got laid off from there because Facebook changed the algorithm and we were out of business like overnight. And uh, fortunately for me though, at that company, they'd hired a sales consultant to work with me as I built out sales. I was their first sales hire. And he and I got along super well. And I was there for a few months, but he'd been super helpful. I think they had one customer when I started and I got them to their first seven customers, right? So stuff was starting to work even yeah. with all the changes. And I, I, after I got the ax, I wrote him an email and I thanked him because he was super helpful. And then he got back to me and said, hey, uh, I'm really sorry to hear that, but maybe I can help you figure out what's next for you. How about we hop on a call, right? Just great okay. person. So we yeah. get on a call. It's like two hours. We're talking, we're talking. At the end of it, he's like, I got a job for someone like you if you want it. And that's how I got into consulting where I've been ever since. Wow. Wow. Serendipity, isn't it? That's kind of life's kind of chances, you know, or... <laughs> Yeah, surviving life's chances in your case, maybe. Absolutely, man. And uh, I couldn't be happier with being on this side. I get to talk to a lot of different businesses. And yeah, it's just much more fun, I think. It works very well for me. And in your experience, you know, predominantly you work with SME businesses, don't you, and startups, you know, that owner-managed kind of environment. Correct. So in your experience with working with businesses in those fields, what are the common challenges that you observe them undertaking and, and having to overcome when it does come to sales? Yeah, I mean, number one is, uh, maybe you'll re resonate with this a little bit too, founders think they have to do everything themselves all the time, right? So it's <laughs> like, it's me or nothing. Like the, you want a job done right, you gotta do it yourself. And that's true to an extent, uh, but that leads to bigger problems because most founders, myself included in some ways, right? I'm, we're all growing and learning here. They don't build systems. So because you don't build systems, when mm. you do hire people, you can't train them well because you don't know what you did or what works or what doesn't work. So there's a lot of winging it and having expectations that, oh, this person's highly qualified. They're gonna come in and know exactly what to do. And that's a very rare case where someone comes in and knows exactly mm. what to do. We have to set those ground rules, those frameworks and those guardrails for what we've done that's got us to this point, train them on that, and then because they have the expertise and the pedigree, say, hey, take what we've done here, add what you know how to do into this so this can be the best thing ever, and then you'll own that. And those are probably the most consistent things. And especially with sales, like people hate sales. <laughs> That's probably the biggest one. And I think people hate sales because they don't know how to have the conversation about solving for the problems people have. So just as a quick aside here, most people sell their product 
They don't mm-hmm. sell the outcome that their product provides. And that's the yeah. big difference. And again, what we're gonna cover about storytelling, that's what storytelling can kind of bridge the gap between to we're not product sellers, we're solution sellers, and we're talking about what we can do for people, not just, hey, have a widget. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and that, you know, that kind of adage or the experience that I've seen and I've fallen into the trap myself is you do bring people in, but you don't delegate properly. You do put the Superman pants on or the Wonder Woman <laughs> outfit on because you think you can solve everything. And actually what you don't do is you don't let go and you don't let people grow and you don't get the best out of those experienced people. So 100%. Yeah, it would resonate with that. And I, I would see that, yeah, very much in that sales environment. But one of the challenges, I suppose, with startups and small SMEs is they don't have that huge team, do they? So, you know, you have that case where nearly everybody needs to sell you know they don't have a dedicated sales team necessarily and do you come across that and is that a challenge that can be overcome absolutely it can i think this is the funny thing and this is the hardest part about being a founder i talk with a lot of people every day and they're like oh i'm not a salesperson i'm not good at sales it's like no you are a salesperson 100 percent, because it's your company if you won't sell it nobody's going to buy anything right and then so, so when we when i think about sales i think about it not just hey, we brought revenue in the door, but we're selling to potential employees. We're, we're selling to investors, right? So we need to have the right type of narratives to tell these people and the right type of vision and mission and the whys to get people to say, yes, I see myself here, right? Like uh, we talked a little bit about self-selecting before we started the recording today. Like, oh, those aren't the right people for me. We wanna create spaces for that in our business so our clients know that we're the right people or not the right people, so that the people we wanna hire know we're the right people or not the right people, and so our investors also know that we're the right people or not the right people. We wanna set those guardrails. So I think that if people take a little bit of time and understand what those things are for themselves and their company first, a lot of that starts to snowball. And so sales is a learned skill. Like, you know, you might have met somebody who's really like a great talker and, you know, they're the closer person. And yeah, okay, that's cool. Those things exist, but it is a learned skill like engineering. It has a flow. It has uh, if-thens. It has all of that stuff. It's just the variables are people, which are some of the most difficult variables known to mankind so far. And so do you think, you know, you talk about it being a learned skill. Do you think there's that ability to to make everybody a salesperson? Or do you think you have, you need some innate kind of personality traits? I think the innate skill you need is one to know that you, you want to learn. I think hunger is massively important. I think resilience is massively important because people don't like getting rejected. I don't like it. I've been in this almost 10 years. I still don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It's annoying. But I think... I love the initial feedback you get because rejection is just like, oh, like I have something I still need to learn. So while I'm more skilled or better at it than the person who's starting today, I'm still a student of this and I'm still learning everything that there is, right? Like I still read a lot of books. I go to a lot of trainings. I I ask questions. I get mentors. I, I have coaches. Like I don't know all there is to know. I never will. But I think having that pursuit of I want more knowledge, I want to understand uh, my skill set better, and I want to get better at this. If a person has that for any role, any vocation or anything, you're going to get better and you're going to get more successful at it. That said, I think if you are a crazy enough person to start a business, you have something that you think will help people do something better. And I think if that's the case, it is you kind of need to have the ability to help people understand how you can help them. And I think that's sales in itself. So 
I think it's worth investing in for whatever you're doing, whether you're gonna be on pounding the phones, you're gonna be knocking on doors, you're gonna be sending a lot of emails, you're in a lot of sales calls, the capacity to distinctly and pithily give people a value proposition about how you can help them is a skill that will help you with whatever you're doing. So I think everybody should learn it. Yeah, no, definitely. And definitely, again, coming back to the early part of that response from you, that philosophy, which is definitely what I've tried you know, to live my life by and install in the teams that I've led is that growth mindset versus a kind of fixed mindset, that ability to say, well, I can't do that yet. Yet. I'm and working on getting yet. better at. Yes. Yeah. Like, and how do I improve and how do I get one, one stage better? And, and I think if you can live life with that philosophy, then and it serves you well across everything you can do in life. So I suppose we should come straight to the point then and, <laughs> and talk about storytelling in sales. Yeah. Now you emphasize that importance of storytelling. You've written a book about it and all of those kind of things. So why is storytelling so important, Stephen? Yeah, I, I love this question for a couple of different reasons. So we started the conversation here talking about people sell their product. So hmm. I have this widget. This widget is great. This widget does this. It's beautiful. It's it's machined uh, in 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 the McLaren factory and you know whatever whatever the those things are and those are features and they're they're not unimportant. But if I'm a prospect, I'm an investor, I'm a potential em, uh, employee of your company you need to speak to me on my terms. Mm. And I need to be able to see myself in the action. So there's a quote that I love, I read about this in the book. It's by uh, one of the old Greek philosophers by the name of Horace. He has a longer name, I can't remember at this moment, but Horace is- We'll call him Horace. Horace. <laughs> but he says, you need change only the name and the story is about you. Mm. So what's important about that, right? If we, if we extrapolate that to a client scenario where we're talking about how to exit a business, right? You guys provide that type of training and giving people this advisory. You could tell me that you know how to help people do that, but if you can say, hey, we worked with John Smith. John Smith ran a company of similar size in a similar industry. These were the particular challenges that John came to us with. We worked with John using these three frameworks to outline and create processes and systems and strategize for that. And after we built this in this time period, we were able to help him achieve an exit of 3X more than he was originally quoting for the price. And I think, based on what I know about your business, we could probably help you get similar results. Yeah. Now, how does that feel different versus, oh yeah, I can help you exit your business? Yeah, and here's my technical CV. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, a completely it just, different approach, yes. You, yeah. Like the difference here is, when we just do technical CV, you're asking the prospect to do all the work and to vet you. Yeah. And like, you know, some of them might, which is okay, but most won't. And the only reason I'm gonna come closer to you is because you understand me and what I need, what's in it for me. And if you approach me with that, now I'm willing to listen. And then we can get into the differences of what and why and some of your technical CV pieces. But now I know that you've done it before. Now I'm interested. Okay, and that's the whole principle around storytelling, whether you're a product or whether you're a service, it's putting that client customer at the center of the conversation. Correct, giving some context for the interaction. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm sure we'll cover this a little bit too, but because uh, we're gonna talk, probably talk about like AI and you know, digitized and things like yeah. this too, but for now, we are still humans solving human problems in a business context. As long as that's the case, as long as it's not machines solving machine problems, right? Like where they can talk to themselves and each other, there still needs to be a human element to any sale, to any conversation. Yeah. And if you can show up as a human and let that person know you're a human as well, you're much further ahead than someone who's just got a widget to sell. And that's one of the big differentiators I see 
in sales and that's why people hate salespeople and hate sales because they're only getting bombarded with widget makers who want to sell widgets, not humans who want to understand and know if they can even help. And I suppose we've all experienced that, haven't we? The salesman woman's ego mm -hmm. coming at us rather than us getting the answers or responses or finding out about what they can do for us and, and storytelling. And I've is, been that person too when I first started because I didn't know any yeah. better, right? Yeah. And then you just see how much friction it creates. And then once you turn that light on, it's like, oh, oh, that's so much easier. And it doesn't feel like selling, which is the best part because that's how you know you're doing it right. So you've made it sound so far, Stephen, so simple. <laughs> so how do you actually, though, you know, a listener, you know, to the podcast, running their own business or providing product or service, how would they approach identifying and crafting their own compelling story for their customers? Yeah, so I read about this in the book, but I'll give you guys the framework for, for reference. So I think that there are three audiences that a person, a business person will encounter in their in their business life the first is going to be your your prospects right so think of that as your actual customer your investors any kind of outward conversation the next is going to be your team so this could be your employees your co-founders your vendors right people who are on your side helping with the internals of your, your business and the third is going to be life in the stage so what i mean by that is like if you're on a podcast what stories are you going to tell if you're on a, on a a stage at a conference, what stories are you going to tell and how are you going to affect those? Slightly different than with prospects. And once we've nailed which audience we want to go for, we have to ask ourselves four questions. So this is in the superpower storytelling framework. There are four questions you have to answer if you're going to tell a compelling and good story. Because I know all of us know great stories from people mm -hmm. who are like, oh man, it's a great story, but what's the point of this? There's no yeah. point. It just kind of, you had me so intrigued, but what does this mean for what we're talking about? So the four questions are as follows, and they must be answered in this order. The first is what is at stake for your audience? Which okay. means what happens if we don't do something about this? Who's going to win or who's going to lose? What's coming that I need to know about? What's the thing that's gonna frame the entire conversation that's gonna create some type of drama, for lack of a better term? Establish that. The second question we need to ask is what is the Excuse me. The second question we need to ask is what does our prospect want to learn or achieve about what is at stake? So okay. like uh, this AI is coming. Here's seven ways consultants can use AI to grow their business beyond their wildest dreams or whatever that thing is. But share that there's something coming that I need to be worried about and tell me what I need to learn or what I can achieve about it. Now it's okay. like, OK, something's at stake. I, got, I have something embedded in here. The next, how do you want your prospect to feel? So okay. this sounds crazy, right? Because it's like feel. Well, that's quite emotive, isn't it? Yeah. It is, but, it, but, it, but I think it's important because, again, we're humans solving human problems in a business context. And here's a quick statistic for you. 95% of decisions made by humans are made in the subconscious, which means they happen in our animal brain, which means we make them with our emotions. And that wow. other 5% of decision-making is the logic we back into after we've made the emotional decision about a thing. And you would say that's the same with all personality types? Because you've got some people that are quite analytical and they're all in their head and other people are, you know, I suppose in their gut and, you know. And I'm sure there's a spectrum there because everything's yeah. a bell curve, right? I'm, I'm sure that exists, but the, the general parlance in, uh, is that. And 
So when we can label an emotion we want people to feel, we kind of know yeah. which story may work better. Do we want them to feel FOMO? Do we want them to feel excited? Do we want them to feel sad or like they uh, don't have enough knowledge? Like whatever that thing is, being able to label that emotion helps us point to the right story we would want to tell to provide that context to create that emotional space where someone's more open to making a decision, okay? okay. Then finally, this is where people get everything wrong. This is where I see the most mistakes uh, for people is the fourth question you need to ask is, now that they know what's at stake, now that they know what they want to learn or achieve, now that they know you know how they want to feel, what do you want them to do next now that they have this information? Okay. Right? So what's, so like, do you want them to download a lead magnet, to subscribe to your podcast, to book an appointment? Whatever that thing is, you need to label the outcome you want people to take, or sorry, the action you want people to take so that when you tell the story, you have this narrative, lends itself well to the thing that you're asking them to do next. Okay. So those so are the a questions. Clear that. next step. Clear next step. If you don't have that in sales especially, you're you're probably I'm still following up with people who promised to get back to me from 2015, right? Like they just <laughs> not going to do it. So those are your four questions you need to answer. And then there are three stories everybody has that no person even if you're in a competitive marketplace can compete with because why? They're your stories. Even if they tell them, they're not gonna be the same because they're yours. And those three stories are the following. The first is your mission. So why are you doing what you're doing? Like, when did you get started on this? What was the thing that made you say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna jump into doing this thing in my career or work with these folks or whatever that is. Like, give me that insightful moment that gave you that reason. Nobody else can compete with that because that's you. It's unique to you. And, and that mission piece is very, you know, when you talk about SMEs, owner-managed businesses, startups, the kind of businesses that we both work with, mm -hmm. that uniqueness that comes usually in those entities, there usually is a really good, compelling mission. Isn't Massive, it? yes. Compared to their competitors that might be corporates or larger businesses where that's been washed through nearly mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily exist in the same way, there can be a real kind of passion behind that mission, can't there? Absolutely, and, and, and I'll come back to this too is especially when we're, you're working with professional services or you know, more people-based kind of businesses, yeah. who you are is the most interesting thing about what you do. Mm. And that's what we, most of us bury because we lead with the product. Yeah. When it should kind of be the opposite. It's like, hey, here's who I am, here's what I believe, and here's why I think this works well for this group of people. Yeah. It's, a, it's flipping the way we engage people and it's on a more human level. So yeah. that's something I think is really important. So mission's the first story. The second is vision. So what does it look like when your mission's complete? We wanna work with 10,000 companies to help them exit their business in, at a higher valuation, whatever that thing is, label that. Some of the most important pieces about vision is, when you, especially when you're hiring, you want somebody who thinks they can come in here and be like, I wanna affect this. I see this as something that needs to exist into the world, right? Big visions draw big crowds. So that's a really important thing for you to have, especially for investors and for potential employees because they wanna lend their skill set, their blood, sweat, and tears to helping that thing come to life. So vision, label that and have that ready for yourself and for your team. Yeah, I love that though. I love that just to pour, you know, big sure. visions, um, bring big crowds. I love that. Big visions bring big crowds. Brilliant, yeah. Awesome. Got, got it noted. It's going to be one of those post-it notes. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Soundbite. 
yeah, no, definitely. And then the third one, that's probably my favorite, and I think this is the most competitively differentiating, is your milestones. So what have you been through in your life? What have, like I started the conversation with today about the falling cement block, how that was an inflection point. That's something that is unique to me, but everybody has their own version of stories like this that were inflection points that said, hey, I need to change something. This is, this is why I opened my mind up to trying these different things. What have you been through? Uh, did, you, did you have a really tough childhood that gave you a certain perspective? Did you lose your business and build one back? Uh, have you had an injury that was very pervasive that you had to think about different things? Like Those are the most interesting and most personal moments, but having those down and labeled and ready give you an edge because you can cite those as reasons for why you do things for content purposes of helping people understand your stories and then the other side of this too especially in the field we're in with professional services where probably a lot of our business is referral based when you have good stories you can get better referrals because you gave someone a story to tell about you to somebody else it's not just like oh yeah this guy can do advising or no, like he's been on a, like he almost drowned in a boat and he came up out of a boat. Like you gotta talk to this guy, super interesting. It gives people something else. And when you give someone a great story to tell, they feel empowered and their energy transfers to the next person before they even meet you. It's the yeah. best business card of all time. And in that, which is, I really you know, made a note of that and I, I followed the four questions and I followed the three stories. But one of the challenges must be that there's a lot of people out there that maybe have that, feeling of in the imposter syndrome or they don't belong and therefore getting them to actually see themselves as having that worthwhile story must be a challenge and if it is how do you overcome that Stephen? Yeah I, I mean I, I don't think there's any entrepreneur who doesn't suffer imposter syndrome yeah. like I mean I do every day and you know I've been at this for a number of years it, it's not going to go away but I, I come back to something I said earlier is you probably started your business because something you do can help people. So it's yeah. not about you. And I think when I started developing the framework, I also had that trouble. I don't want to talk about myself. I'm not self-important. But again, if you're telling that story, the story has a point to the people that you serve. Yeah. Versus just, oh, I'm here. Like, look at me. It's, it's not look at me. It's look at what this means for you. Here's how yeah. I've interpreted it. And so what I, what I think, just that small mindset shift is putting a wall between the you you think you're being vulnerable with and, and giving that kind of bridge for the person to look at the, the reason for the story and less at you, though you're the person okay. delivering the story. And that's been a small shift that I think has helped some of my clients really understand some of the better ways they can share who they are in the context of helping their clients. Yeah, that, that small mindset change, I could see that. I'm also intrigued because obviously from reading about you and learning a bit about you before we've had this conversation, Stephen, you've worked with you know companies, businesses, individuals in over 30 countries. Yeah, it's now, crazy. You might have this framework, but there's lots, there must be lots of cultural differences between those approaches. Or is, it, is that a wrong assumption to make, Stephen? Uh, no, I think it's I think it's a reasonable one, and I think it's a healthy one, primarily because that means that so, like someone like you asking a question like that means you care about how people receive and how mm -hmm. they get value, which is the first prerequisite to providing value. So I love uh, that you asked this question because it means you're conscientious and and thinking forward. Generally speaking, 
yes, there's cultural differences. Like uh, I was working with some of the folks in the Nordics. Uh, they're a very interesting bunch, but they have something called the law of Hanta, which may exist in other countries as well, but I'll give you a brief synopsis of it. It basically means being uh, personally exceptional or like standing out is frowned upon. Okay. So that's always a weird thing for folks who are selling because they don't want to overplay themselves or like show that they're better. Like that's a, that's a mindset shift you have to overcome. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's a very interesting one. Uh, that's been fun to work with in some ways. And there must be in that storytelling concept, it kind of is counterintuitive to that, isn't it? Yes. And though, so when it's, when it's a story about outcome, yeah. it's much more approachable for them because it's like, Hey, we helped this person achieve this. So the story is about the outcome that we got someone, yeah. not about, Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm this person. Yeah. Right. So those small little bits help. The other thing is, for me, for cultural things, I generally try to do as much research on the country as I can, understand some of the culture. Like if I'm doing a workshop, for example, like I, I did some workshops uh, a few years ago in Istanbul. So like I, I studied how to introduce myself in Turkish. Okay. So like I started the workshop with like a couple sentences in Turkish and people were like, what the heck? Oh, cool, right? So that builds a little bit of rapport and gives me a little bit of license for other cultural things I may not understand because I yeah. took the time. So I think like anything, showing that you took a little bit of effort on behalf of that person buys you a little bit of license if there's something that gets a little messy later. Yeah. And then the other thing, generally speaking, across the board of every company I've worked with, anybody I've advised, any workshop I've given, everybody's the same. They want to build a good business and everybody in any country buys the outcome that the business provides. And if we can be explicit yeah. on what that is, we can, we can do very, very good things no matter what the culture is. Okay. So Stephen, what we're talking about here is storytelling and going through that kind of process. A lot of us will have testimonials or case studies that we maybe lean on and sort of send to people. How do case studies and testimonials fit into this process? Are you, I mean, are, is, is your process case study testimonials on steroids is that a good way to describe it <laughs> uh I've, I've never thought of it that way but i suppose that's that's not a bad way to think about it i think it fits in the following ways case studies are social proof so instead of me just trusting that you did it we have somebody mm. else who can vouch for your skill set and and the results that you have i think they work very well to handle objections i always say there are only three types of objections price Okay. They, they, they mask themselves in various ways, but they usually come down to three following ways. Price, is this a fit, and will this work? Yeah. Right? So those are the kind of three ways you think about it. And if you come up with stories about these three things, so like we have a case study as an example. Uh, somebody was able to exit their business at a way higher valuation because they ran through your frameworks as an example. If somebody's like, uh, on the phone and they're like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And you say, hey, totally makes sense. When we, re we recently worked with a company just like yours, uh, the, the founder's name is Muriel. Muriel had the exact same concerns when she started working with us, before she started working with us. And when we were able to walk her through this particular framework, we were able to find three vectors that were extremely important that she'd never noticed before that were keeping her business valued at what it was valued at. Once we instituted those frameworks, we repositioned those frameworks and we worked together. We were able to help her fix all those problems in a six month period. And then we put her business up for sale. Yeah. And then she was able to achieve an evaluation of X 
and we were able to sell for Y. Now, I think based on what I've uncovered from your, our conversation today and the information you shared with me, it sounds like those are probably very consistent features inside of your business. So I think based on our experience working with companies like yours, it could work very, very well for you and I'd love to be uh, an option for you to explore so that we could help you sell your business at a higher valuation as well. Yep, get it. Right, yeah. so it's, it's a tool, it's a yeah. tool. Yeah, and you might have something more detailed that they can go away, read, but it's yes. it's entwining that into the conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you name I, the person, you name the results, and then yeah. uh, I think the other way people say it is feel, felt, found. Yeah, they feel this way, they felt this way afterwards, and then this is what we found. That's yeah, kind of another that framework. kind of process. Mm -hmm. And you talked earlier during the course of our conversation about technology, AI, digitalization, all of those kind of oh, things. Yes. And you've also talked about, and I really believe you in this aspect, particularly if you're selling services, it still comes down to that human interaction. Mm -hmm. But getting the opportunity to have human interaction <laughs> in this day and age <laughs> can be a challenge. So what can businesses do to kind of overcome some of those hurdles and challenges and blockers that, you know, AI, digitalization, technology perhaps puts in our way? That is a... That's a big one, isn't that it? That is a big, big question. <laughs> we need a couple of pints uh, for that one. Uh, my, my initial thing is, I'm not sure, but here's my, my guess, my conjecture. Here's what I'm working on and how I'm moving forward through it. As I said, we're humans solving human problems in a, in a business context. Mm. I think because we have all these machines, people's guard is up way higher than it's ever been. And I think the opportunity in that is to be more personal and more human. So like if you're writing email campaigns or whatever, it's taking that little extra time to do research on a person so they know that you saw them, right? People wanna mm. be seen. Again, if, as long as we're humans, we, we will acknowledge and take more time for people who've like, oh, like you went to this school, you do this, like we know this person or whatever that is. Like those little small details, I think are the keys to getting more at bats. That's the first thing. The second thing I think is really important, and I learned this later, probably in the last three years, join professional groups that cost money to be a part of. Pay okay. the price of entry. Even if it's expensive, it's more money than you want to spend. I think this was the, one of the biggest hacks I learned because even if you are the lowest earning business in the entire group, you're still one of the group. Okay. And that group, right, they say a rising tide lifts all boats. They won't let you stay down there. You paid yeah. the fee. You're one of us. What do you need? Who, who do you need? Who do you want to meet? And okay. I found that being in those groups... There's, a, there's so much more sharing of knowledge and like people are so much more generous because you're not trying to get something for free. Yeah. So I think like, especially you wanna get access to tougher to reach people, join groups they're in. They're gonna take yeah. time with you. You can get on a phone with this person and maybe you can't sell them right away, but you can build a relationship with this person. Yeah. And as a natural course of being in a tribe with someone, hey, how can I help you? Yeah. Oh, I'm looking for these types of companies that do this, that, and that. And it's like, oh yeah. Uh, I. I trust Warren. Warren's a good guy. You should talk to Warren. Tell him I sent yeah. you. And that's how you can bridge a lot of gaps. And you built a relationship. You built a rapport, haven't you? It happens naturally, doesn't it? It's that's it. Yeah, it's inadvertent. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So those would be the two things I think are probably the largest. And then from there, I think it, AI is here. It's, it's scary. It's not going anywhere. Uh, no. But but 
I think like, so one of my methods, it's called context selling, which is how I uh, review sales calls. AI can do a ton of stuff, but it's not good with context, at least yet. It doesn't know what you missed or where the nuance was. And as long as that's a thing that exists, there's always room for a human to add that little bit of a, you know, sauce to a thing that makes it really interesting. And I think I would go back towards what's more human. And I think groups getting in front of stages, getting on podcasts and doing the things that humans do, those are the opportunities uh, versus just having all these machines sending out all these big volumetric things. I, I don't think it works well uh, anymore. And so that's what I'm concentrating on myself. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. All of us in business have our guards up to that, you know, that simple kind of LinkedIn kind of messaging or emails or being bombarded with social media, don't we? So I think, yeah, when people take the time, I think how I'd sum up your answer, and, and I really concur with it, is when you take the time to be human, other people notice, don't they? Yeah, strange thing, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I suppose giving you an opportunity to talk about, you know, people you've worked with, is there any particular kind of success story um, that you've seen helped a business that you're really proud of? Yeah, I have a few, man. Like, so I worked with this this podcasting company for around a year, and we were able to triple their revenue in a year. So that's pretty awesome, right? Mm. I was helping them with scripts and, and other things, running some sales over there. That, I feel really proud about that. Uh, another company, we helped increase their close rate by like 25%, instituting some of these techniques, right? Because there's a, there's a sales is, is a, I don't want to say it's an algorithm per se, but it has a flow. It has a very specific series of logic things that need to happen for it to work well. So very proud about those. Uh, I had another guy who said I saved his business, which always feels good, right? This yeah. was during COVID times. He was in a, in a bad spot, helped him get more leads and, and grow his business that way. And then just generally speaking, like, I'm just, I'm really happy that I get to be the help I didn't have, right? So like if I'm working with reps or teams, like, it, it's always nice when the lights go on, like, oh, that makes so much sense. You've, you've, yeah. you've, you've squashed this objection I get. Like, I know how to do this now. So that always feels good, the small stuff. Brilliant. And I suppose as we start to draw our conversation to a close, I'm really keen to understand what does motivate you to continue doing what you do yeah man uh freedom like absolutely freedom freedom there's there's freedom from and freedom to and i think i'm on the freedom to side like i want to be able to take a nap when i want to take a nap uh i want to be able to live where i want to live i want to be able to help who i want to help and again that's it's not the easiest thing to do right to to have your own business to do that but I'm massively motivated to have ownership of the upside. So as a quick thing, uh, right, you work with people who sell businesses, they have equity in the project, right? They get all the upside, they've they've owned all the downside, but they have equity. If you don't have equity, you don't have anything. So if somebody, you know, unfortunately we're in a time where there's a lot of layoffs happening, a lot of these folks just get that little severance if they get anything and then they're, they're out of the door versus I'm building equity in a project or a series of projects that I own. No one can take that from me and that can be an asset that I can sell or leverage into something else. And I think that type of mindset, once, I've, once I understood that, I think the biggest risk you can have is not having your own. Yeah. So I, I, that's motivation for me. And before we started the recorded conversation, we were having a discussion about the fact you'd moved from New York and mm-hmm. to Mexico and all of those kind of things. So I'm just intrigued, you know, from a business perspective, 
how easy, you know, you've worked across 30 countries, you work with 750 businesses and individuals. So we, we can touch on the success of it, but how difficult has it been <laughs> to create this remote business <laughs> that you can do, the, you know, those freedom to moments uh, can be achieved? It, it's been easy and very difficult. So like when I was in the consulting side, when I started like in the consulting side, our business was fully remote and like 2016, 2017, when it was weird. Like people were like, what? On the Zoom, what are you talking about? You're not gonna come and see me? (laughs) Yeah, that was a weird mindset for people to to get over. And once they did and they started seeing results, it it, it worked. It's also a very scalable model, which is good. But the difficult part for me was like, especially during COVID, I'm an in-person type of fellow. So like, get me in a room, get me at an event. I I can bring people on my team. Having to be digital was a big, big adjustment for me. And like having to make all the content and you know all this other stuff uh, that is was slightly beyond my skill set at the time. Uh, and I'm getting better at it, but it's still difficult. I'd say remote businesses are uh, it's it's a series of problems to solve. So it's mar- it's a marketing problem. Right? How do you get out in front of people the right way that gets them to pay attention to you? Are you going to stay consistent in doing that? And then how are you going to scale your delivery so that you can make the money that you want to make and make the, the impact that you want to make? So in a lot of ways, I'm still figuring this out. You know, I've done, I've done okay. Uh, I look forward to doing better. Uh, but I think it is, even if it was running as smooth as it's ever run, it's still the most difficult thing I've ever done every single day. Yeah. So I say that to say, I've only gotten this far by asking for help. And I continue to ask for help because there's always something else. As soon as I feel I've gotten to a new place, it's like, oh, I didn't realize that, right? New level, new devil. So I'd say it's still hard, but it is a little bit easier because I have good networks and people I can ask who've, you know, made multitudes more money than me. And I can, can, because I'm in a group with them, right? I'm not asking for something for free. I can say, hey, here's what I'm going through. Do you have five minutes so you could walk me through it? And I'll take time. People who make eight and nine figures a year, I can text and get on the phone with them because we're in the same groups and they can yeah. give me advice. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's a winning formula if you ask me. Definitely, and I definitely resonate with that. You know, put yourself with people that, you know, have achieved, are achieving, that will support. You know, that, that's part of what we do with the, the peer kind of communities we create. But just by putting like-minded people in the room together, you know, that great things happen. You know, that's kind of a philosophy. And Great things that's happen. What, yeah, Absolutely. That's what you're talking about. And in terms of my final <laughs> question on every podcast that we do is <laughs> yeah, is asking for that kind of definition of your personal success. So what does personal success mean for Stephen? I think I'm right here, uh, to, be, to be honest. Like I'm, I'm doing what I want to do for who I want to do it with. I'm living where I want to live. I think I'd like to scale that up to some degrees. But I think success is is walking the path that you chose for yourself without apology. And so I think I'm very, very much there. I'd like to do it at, at some different levels, uh, but I would also add, I think something I wanna be doing in the next five, 10 years, I wanna own multiple businesses that need my skill set. So like yeah. add sales to it, I can jump in and, and build out those functions and, and the things like that. Uh, and I think, continuing to be the help that I didn't have 
right? Like that's why I do what I'm doing. Like I didn't have this type of training or somebody who was like, oh no, you need to do this for your people. And my career suffered as a result of that in some ways, but I have the right type of enemy to combat. And that gets me up in the morning very early. Brilliant. And if people want to learn more about you, Stephen, where can they go? Uh, you can go to stephensteers.com or you can get my book on Amazon, Superpower Storytelling, if you want to learn more about the techniques and hear some cool stories about how I developed it in that novel. Or connect Perfect. with me on LinkedIn, whatever you think is best. Perfect. Well, we are connected on LinkedIn, but I am going to go and buy a copy of that book. Stephen, you've been a great guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, Warren. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. And don't forget, if you'd like to learn more about Evolve and the services we offer and how we can help you and your business confidently start, grow and exit, then please go to evolveadvisory.co.uk. Please also help and support this podcast by subscribing, liking and giving us a positive review on your favourite listening platform. Thanks for listening and see you next week.